Why mention all three up front? That's right, we're doing a speed round. Um, we are that far... Sorry, I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. Um, I'm that far behind on getting my absolutely 100% note perfect um, phase four slash phase five pitch. Yeah. Um, we kind of ran out of time when we got to the recording studio. We did. Um, <laughs> okay, look, in my kitchen. Yes. Luckily... We have a Google Doc that's shared between myself and Darren, which has every single idea that we have ever had for pitches. And the fact of the matter is, is that if we, we won't get through that list and also still be alive. Yes, no. So we're gonna we're gonna clear out the clutter a little bit. We're gonna yeah, and we're gonna try something new. We're not gonna prepare for. We've had about about ten minutes thinking of well, this. You are. I'm pitching three ideas that I've rattled around in a very like embryonic state mm. for a long old time now. So I haven't written anything down about them. You're just so they were coming all off the cuff, but cool. I've just yeah, they've been rattling around, and they're three categories I don't know if we'd ever get to. Yeah, as we as both having good pitches because yeah, that phase four, phase five thing. Mine needs a rewrite because of new <laughs> casting information that's just come out. Thanks, so Eternals. That's annoying. So I've got to go and do that. Um, and yours, um, it's forewarning people: just get popcorn ready, get a good chair, because Michael's is going to be a while when we finally get into it. And then it's. Um, I-, I want you to think. Of I it might as lie like... down on the floor for me just in case. <laughs> you're gonna need it, and you're gonna need tissues because it's a tearjerker. Oh. I've I, I wrote. Um, I jumped ahead today and wrote the ending scene. Oh fuck! Um, we'll get to that. Uh, but this time we're going to do three pitches each, all different pitches, mind against the clock, blind pitches, completely off the cuff, unscripted. It's almost like an episode of like Who's Lying or something like that. Woo! Um, we're going to limit ourselves to five minutes each for these pitches. We are. We're doing one film, one one TV, one and one gaming, one. Just to clear out the clutter, get us back in the in the pitching game, and then next time we pitch something, hopefully we've had all the time in the world to make it good. Hopefully. Lovely. Right. Uh, would you like to go first, Michael, or shall I? Uh, you go first, and I think we're going to start with our film pitches, we is that right? We are. Um, so if you could put five minutes on the clock for me, Michael. Radio Darren. Uh, five minutes starts... Oh, wait, let me just explain. I'm doing, um, from our big list, it's entitled yeah. Pitch a Remake of a Pre-1950s Movie. Which would be difficult. I literally had one idea for that and haven't seen it in years. So I have never seen the movie I'm redoing. Okay. But I've seen enough of it and that I'm, I'm feeling good. Okay, Hit picture pre-1950s movie. Five minutes starts now. I am going to do a remake of From the Earth to the Moon. Ah. The very famous movie by the man whose name I have forgot. I also can't remember. Oh my God, he's a French guy. Wait, pause, I've got to figure out his name. <laughs> Seriously? No, I need his name. It's oh, very God important. damn it. Um, okay, I'll give you a bit of pause sorry, time. Sorry, 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 sorry. You no, got a whole, f- what, what is that, 14 seconds into that pitch? That was good. Well done, Darren. Thank you. I don't want the HBO version. There was a HBO version? Well, that's interesting. Ah. Jules Verne calls it funny. Jules Verne. Okay. As in, like, we're talking, like, the silent movie. Yes, Sweet. which was... Hang on, let me just find it when that came out. Uh, you can tell this is off the cuff, ladies and gents. Oh, son of a bitch. Good uh, God, Darren. 
Sorry, I should have got this. Yeah, you should have got this. George Malay, that's the one. A trip to the moon is what I'm thinking of. Yes. Based on. Okay. okay, we're going to start the timer again. Okay, you've got four minutes and... Start it again. Okay, fine. Hang on. Okay, four minutes and 45 seconds. Go. Right, so this is based on From the Earth to the Moon, which is a Jules Verne novel, the same bloke who wrote uh, Around the World in 80 Days. Uh, it's based on the 1902 French silent movie by uh, George Millet. Um, I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, and it's the story of a man is uh, in, I think he's in uh, Baltimore in America. Uh, he's uh, part of the Baltimore Gun Club and they decide they're going to build a vessel that's going to send him from the Earth to the moon. Um, several reasons I wanted to do this. I just feel like it's such a like a nice idea and it's like turn of the century stuff. You can do all this, like, not like full-blown steampunk, but like that Victorian era kind of like ingenuity stuff. And it's just a really like hopeful movie, I thought. I'm not pitching this as any like really serious drama. Um, but so my idea for it would be you'd have um, like an arms race in Baltimore. They're all part of this very elite club called the Baltimore Gun Club. Um, and they all want to um, build the biggest and best guns. And a guy who owns, like, a middling, like, quite small-scale gun business decides to just tell everybody, like, they're basically having an innovations fair. And my guy, haven't given him a name, um, we'll call him George. Um, George walks in and says, I'm going to build a gun big enough that it will launch me from the Earth to the Moon. And he gets laughed at. And it would basically be, like, a really nice like underdog story of this kind of one guy who just has a dream who wants to build this giant gun that will shoot him <laughs> to the earth to the moon he'll have a scientist pal uh who will be played by a black female because obviously she you know <laughs> no, stop, wait hang on hang on hang on so we're at the turn of the century they're obviously not going to put a lot of stock in that type of person in those times yeah, unfortunately yeah. So, so you're saying it in period? Yes. Okay. So she wants to do this because she wants to prove something about herself, that, you know, it's just, just a man's game, that she wants to be the first scientist to set foot on the moon. Right. So it would be the story of him building the, the gun and kind of, you know, not really having technology to do it, not really having the, um, the expertise to do it, but just having the hope and the willingness and the drive to do it. And it'd be quite light-hearted, there wouldn't really be a love interest. It's more of a platonic thing between these two. Mm. Uh, but just one man trying to achieve his dreams of going to space. And all, you know, him being chastised, him just being told several times, you cannot do this. It will not work. And it would basically all build. My finale would be, the, your drama would come from just every failed prototype. Everything going wrong, not launching him far enough. Him just like landing in a field and all this stuff, all his test drives. It all builds up to basically, he thinks... Right at the end, we've gone through all this journey. He thinks he can. He's figured it out. He's built the gun. He's built everything, and he's just going to say, "Screw it!" You know, we've got to throw caution to the wind. Uh, it's man's endeavour to try and go beyond his boundaries. I'm just going to do it. That would be the finale of the movie. You can tell how much I've not really thought out most of this movie, <laughs> but I just want to imagine they're all sat in the gun, and literally the last thing would be. They fire the gun. Him, the scientist, and the third person, who I haven't decided on yet, would launch out the gun and literally shoot into space and would successfully land on the moon. And that's where the movie would end. It would have nothing about them being on the moon, nothing about them getting back. That would be the sequel. It would just be one man's determination to, you know, defy the odds, show everyone that just a little bit of ingenuity and a little bit of just willpower and a little bit of spark can get you a long way. Are you keeping the weird face that the moon has? Uh, 
I'll, there'll be allusions to that. Mm. Maybe in like a dream sequence of him imagining him doing it. Yeah. But I know what the killer question is. Yep. And the answer is yes. The final scene will be put to a full orchestral reimagining of the Smashing Pumpkins tonight, tonight, oh, tonight. God, I was going to say. Because it's based on that. And it would just be, yeah, as they launch everything and go to the moon. That's what I want. I always pitch superhero movies and stuff like that. I want something that is genuinely just like a feel-good movie mm. of like one man, basically like Ad Astra, but with a sense of humour. Uh, <laughs> as we launch the Or a teaser. sense of hope at all. Yeah, like, I just, that was my idea. I thought that could be really funny. I would like to flesh that out, but I don't think I'm ever going to get around to it because I'd probably have to watch a 1902 French silent movie. Yeah. I ain't got the time for that. I know that you're not about that, so... Probably not, no. Can't see that happening. I've always liked the idea of it, uh, and that's sort of what I would want to do with my pitch for a remake of From the Earth to the Moon. Uh, It wasn't called that. It was called The Trip to the Moon, the 1902 French movie by George Millet. Two, one... That's five minutes. Great Boom. stuff. Okay, feeling oh, good. Lovely. Oh, that's a nice little jingle. Yeah, it is a jingle. Oh, God, I'm glad that's it there. Yep. <laughs> well done, well done. I've been thought about that for so long. Basically, because yeah. I've watched the Smashing Pumpkins tonight, tonight, tonight. 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 We all know the, the Smashing Pumpkins' best yeah, contribution yeah. to the world was Billy Corgan on a roller coaster. We already know that. Are we? <laughs> we. <laughs> I thought it was, hi, Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. Hi, Homer Simpson. Simpson smiling politely. Smiling politely, that's yeah. one. Maggle? We Okay, Wee. get me a timer, Darren. As the one I went with. <laughs> I forgot about that. Wee. The, the, one, <laughs> the one I went with was a picture-saving grace movie for a damaged franchise. Lovely. Now, we had ideas for, for this, but I really struggled to get anything out. But I've just gone for something that I just... Really, really want to see. Go for it. Ready? Yep. Begin. Right. Pacific Rim Uprising broke that franchise. Oh, you finally watched it? It's it's just... <laughs> I couldn't finish it, Darren. I couldn't finish it. And it broke something very near and dear to my heart, which was a kaiju movie made proper. That beca- They turned it into a fucking Mortal Kombat film. Let's be honest, that's what they did with that film. It sucks. Wow. Yeah, like, it's bad. So, we're going to fix this with Pacific Rim Fault Lines, which, you know, already putting it on shaky ground. So, we kind of have to imagine that all of the extra world building that they did for uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, where kind of humanity's coming back from the kaiju things, has kind of taken a turn for the worst. Um, we, We played with these ideas in Pacific Rim 1 of going into the fault, of going through the rift. Mm -hmm. And we kind of played with that human kaiju hybrid in other Pacific Rim media. I think there might have been something about it in the second film, but I really wasn't paying attention because it sucked. So we're going to take those two things together and we're going to go and make a Pacific Rim movie that people will enjoy. We're going to bring back both casts. They're both going to come back. Now, it's very important that we do this is because you need... The hopelessness, say the hopelessness, the, the peril that you got from the first movie and the hope that you got from the second and mash them together. Purely because the fights in the first Pacific Rim movie weren't exactly fluid. No. And I think we could have had a bit more of a mech, mech-on-mech fights that actually made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I did actually kind of enjoy the scale of Pacific Rim 1, so I kind of want to bring that back. I don't want to make the robots small again. I want it to be fucking huge. Right. The basic summary is, right, the world is fucked. The kaijus are flooding in. Why don't we try going where they're coming from? Not just to go in and finish one of them off. We are going to find a better world. Right. We are going through the fault to see what's on the other side. 
one of these faults. They send like, it's a little bit like Interstellar in the sense that they send a few teams. So they get like the American robot, which is all guns all the time. The Japanese robot, which is basically a Gundam. Right. Uh, your Russian robot that is incredibly nuclear powered and extremely volatile, but packs a mean punch. Yes. You get a fun team of comical uh, international stereotypes. Nice. Put them in robots, send them through different ones. The ones where the Japanese ones end up, and this is where you really have to lean into the fact that Pacific Rim is a franchise owned by Legendary Pictures, is I want to make a Godzilla multiverse. I want a Japanese Pacific Rim robot to land in a world where they go, this is habitable, we can live here, Mm -hmm. for them to come up against the big man himself right, and lose. And it, okay. and it be a case of now these people in our, in what is essentially our world, I guess maybe in the Godzilla verse is yeah. that it's a pretty normal Earth until the kaiju shows yeah. up. They go, there's a there's a reality out there where people made mechs, right? And then we get to see like different other versions of of that happening. So they go into one where it is, it's kaiju's are trying to protect themselves from humans. We can explore how that works. But our main team is going into the reality where fucking Godzilla is. And that's going to be fucking Fuck, okay. mint. Um, I'm not going to really talk about Cass because I haven't really thought about it other than... Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam and John Boyega are going to team up and it's all going to be fun and games. Because that's a, that's a thing people yeah, want, sure, apparently. Sure. But what we're going to get, Darren, is that combination, that human-kaiju combination. And it's going to be the twist in the whole thing is that the Pacific Rim lot are going to be the people that build Mecha Godzilla, and that's how we force uh, that fight to happen, Darren. Okay. People want it. The Mecha Godzilla versus Gundam fight in uh, Ready Player One was arguably the best visual scene in that movie. Yep. So almost in kind of like an interesting way, you're making your protagonists the villains by the end. You see that that hope and you know that grasping onto the final chance turning into. Oh, we're actually just trying to kill the thing that saves people now. Mm-hmm. Which would be quite a fitting way to, if you wanted to end the franchise in a way and also feed more into that monsterverse. That would be a really cool way to integrate those two things. I just want another Pacific Rim movie that's good, Darren. I don't want it to be Uprising Beware That Ends. It's too good for that. It's too clever for that. And Clever. I thought it was clever. Okay. And I just really want Mechagodzilla to happen. That's my idea. Oof, with a nice 15 seconds to spare. Now, you would have won me over entirely if you'd said, basically, the uh, Japanese mech goes to a different reality. You call it the Godzilla reality, but I thought that meant that they were the giant thing that came out of the sea and the population was just little Godzillas running around going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I would like the idea... Oh, that's not bad. That could be one of the faults they go into, is that they land in the big fucking mech and it's just like lizard people. Lizard... <laughs> Run! It's a Gundam! <laughs> Actually, did the international contract laws? It is not. Still, should run like it is a Gundam! No, no it, it isn't. isn't. <laughs> yes. Reboot Austin Powers. Lovely. Uh, what? No, no, it's doing no, a sequel. No one does. Mike Myers needs more work. Cool. Okay, next up, we're doing TV. Mine's real stupid, so here we go. Okay. I've uh, probably talked about mine before. What's... It's the uh, basic new reality TV show. Okay. Don't worry, my, my gaming sh- my gaming one is an actual pitch. I just remembered what this is. Yeah, I'm looking forward go. to this. This is going to be four, five minutes of me laughing, starting now. 
So basically, if you go on Channel 4 right now, there's something called, I think it's called Treasure Island, mm. or something probably less copyrighty, with Bear Grylls. Fort um, Bayard 2. <laughs> yes, um, where they're on an island, and they have to stay on there for a certain amount of time, uh, and then they earn money, mm. right? I have for a long time pitched what would be my ultimate version of this, which is basically, what if Bear Grylls was the predator? So... <laughs> You you do basically the same setup. You put twenty people on an island, and you say, right, you've got to survive until the end, right? You've got to be on there for two weeks, and whoever is left on the final dawn of the final day, you will get a, a share of a hundred thousand pounds, right? So if all twenty of you survive, you get twenty shares of it. If one person survives, they get all a hundred thousand pounds. Fucking nice. So it's like your basic normal Bear Grylls show. So that you know they've got to try and hunt and survive and yeah yeah blah blah blah. The unique selling point is that at night Bear Grylls can hunt you. <laughs> so we put Bear Grylls naked. He has to be naked <laughs> into the interior of this island, right? Which is where all the good stuff is. Basically, you would design Does this island. Does he like rise up out the sand? Oh, <laughs> oh um, so he during the day he can't do anything. He's foraging for his own things. Um, but you put like so all the juiciest stuff is concentrated in the middle of the island so they have to go in to go and fetch stuff at night though <laughs> Bear Girls is kind of told to hunt you down right it's a big <laughs> island we'll, we'll give them a good chance so there's so many things at play why I like this idea so much one if they all stick together they stand a good chance of surviving because they can have sentries you know they can have like safe areas where Bear Girls can't get to them um and they all get a share of hundred thousand pounds. But then you could have two people going, look, look, he can't find just two of us on this massive island. We'll go alone. He'll pick them sorry bastards off, and we'll just split the hundred thousand pounds fifty fifty. So by day, it's your normal reality TV show on this scenario of like them trying to catch fish and failing, and then trying to find food and failing, and everyone nearly dying of dysentery. Way, but at night. We switch to Bear Grylls POV. He's naked except for the the night vision goggles he has on. So we can see him stalking them like the fucking predator, right? Now, you, there's many scenarios you can do of, like, Bear Grylls. I wouldn't have him talk. No. I wouldn't have him, like, do the voiceover. I want him to be scared. It doesn't necessarily have to be Bear Grylls, but in my head it has always been Bear Grylls. Let's just pretend he's lost all his money on that stupid Bear Grylls experience. And he's gone feral. Uh, <laughs> In fact, they didn't put him on the island. This is just where he went. And they got to <laughs> they made the show around him. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily know he's in a show. He's just he's <laughs> gone back to, like, base instincts. Um, and, yeah, you tell me you wouldn't watch that show, Michael. A Bear Grylls crawling through the trees. <laughs> of, like, you see, like, oh, oh, on day 12, Diane and Jessica have gone into a bit of trouble. They've stumbled into his trap. <laughs> And you see them like in a net. <laughs> oh fuck! And we see Bear Grylls coming for them, and he gets it. Now, he doesn't kill them. I should point that out. I should have probably pointed that out before. He doesn't kill them, but if he gets them and like tags them in a way, yeah. like he doesn't have a gun or anything, he's got to get them. Mm. But like if he gets them, they are out. They are eliminated so from the show. So they don't get killed. Oh. No, we can't kill people, Muggle. I mean, well, if bears got really <laughs> rabid, he might not stop him. <laughs> he was gonna say. Yeah, he tags them and they are out, and that's how you do it. Is it like in Metal Gear Solid Five, where like he just puts a little pack on them and just a parachute appears and they fly <laughs> exactly off? Exactly that, <laughs> like the skyhook in Dark Knight, where he yeah. just shoots out the window and goes off on a plane. <laughs> that's what would happen. They would be eliminated. And the, this is the thing: it's like Takeshi's Castle. There's not necessarily <laughs> going to be a winner. Because how many episodes do you watch Takeshi's Castle where nobody wins? It's the vast majority of them. Yep. This show, 
It's not necessarily that he has to leave the last one alone. If he picks them all off, Bear Grylls wins this series. Does Bear Grylls get the money at the end? Or? No, Bear Grylls doesn't get the money. He Bear just lives Grylls for the hunt. He's feed. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just giving four dead deer cocks and a bit of apple and some fruit, and he just eats that. Would Bear Grylls be like leaving messages or challenges for them, or is it just no, he's, he's white stuff in deer's blood on trees? <laughs> I know where you sleep, etc. <laughs> That's my show, Michael. Oh. I don't know. Bear Grylls Ultimate Predator would probably be one <laughs> Yeah, but that's a bit of an omen, isn't it? You know? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. So that's what I want. That would be the greatest reality TV show of all time, other than a supermarket sweep that actually works. Do you know supermarket sweep, Matt? It's back. It's terrible. Yeah. It's so god awful. Oh, you did that with five seconds to spare, Darren. Oh, God. Well done. God, I so really want to watch that show. You wouldn't be able to do it like, as like the full series wouldn't be the full two weeks because I think Bear Girls would win most of the time. Yeah. It would just have to be like two night instalments of this was the first <laughs> batch we tried and we picked them all up and eventually you'd win. And then you could always do like, in like, once it's been running for five years, you do the champions version of just bring them all back and yeah. then, and like, well, I don't know, we'll get Andy McNabb in there as well. There's two of them. Oh, shit. <laughs> Ray Mears can be in there too fucking why not anyone basically anyone who's been in an SAS show can come in you get the lads off of the SAS show to come in but this time Bear Grylls has got a gun (laughs) that's that's my TV pitch uh, Maggle? <laughs> can, can it not be the bet that like we've hidden parts of a gun across the island and Bear Grylls oh, got to go and find the parts yes, of the gun? Yes, lad. And he like, constructs like basically Chewbacca's fucking bowcaster. <laughs> just fucking pick him up at range. That's what I want. Okay, oh, boy. Right, so I went with... I went with a bit of a amalgamation of some stuff because we've got quite a lot of pitch um, Disney Plus shows. But we've focused more like on pitch the Marvel one, pitch the Star Wars one. Yep. I've gone for straight up um, pitch a Disney Plus show from an existing Disney franchise. Ready? Yep. Go. Why the fuck didn't they do anything else with Big Hero 6? Why did they crowbar it into Kingdom Hearts 3? What? No, 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 no. You've got a series of six colourful characters, not unlike the Power Rangers, as this is going to lean very heavily into. Let's give them a fucking TV show. Okay. Big Hero 6, Defenders of San Francisco. It's going to follow the gang. I forgot a bit San Francisco, Tokyo. Yeah, it's a uh, whole thing. So it's going to follow the gang as a sort of Monster of the Week format, exactly like Power Rangers, but animated, um, as they become sort of like upgraded heroes. You're going to go with that whole thing of they get more upgrades as they go on. Baymax is going to become like the... Kind of like the weapon, I guess, although he could technically also be a Zord. He's, he's halfway there. Yeah. He's in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first series, because I imagine they would get, this would get multiple series as a kid's show, would be pushing forward the tech side of it. So that would give uh, Hero and Honey Lemon and Wasabi chance to sort of upgrade their own suits. You could give them all little side stories. Heroes, you know, yeah. st- you know still struggling with the death of his brother. You've got... Um, you could... Go the other way. You could have uh, like romances blossoming in the team between, say, like I don't know, Honey Lemon and Wasabi, or it could be Go Go discovering herself. I don't know. I'm not going to get too heavy into that, but there's space to do, you know, discovering yourself, becoming the person you want to be, because these are still children. Um, with that though, so I've talked about the villains. So there would be a space force, kind of like a space. Empire, I guess, mm-hmm. because you've got to do something notably different from what's in the movie. Obviously, you had the the whole 
the, the scientist gone rogue. This would very much be, we've established them as the heroes, now he's the greater threat. Um, they would send down Monster of the Week stuff. I don't think I'd go as far as the Make My Monster Grow nonsense. No. But it would be, they'd be up against something they'd have to counter every week, uh, which would be kind of cool. Uh, that is pretty much all I've got. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about the kind of things they could do, borrowing a little bit more from uh, Power Rangers. Okay. Uh, more importantly, borrowing from Super Sentai, because it is supposed to be that fusion of... Uh, American and Japanese you say culture. fucking fruit padlock. I'm kicking you at me. That's Carmen Rider. I'm not borrowing oh, from that. Sorry, that my bad. shit is sacred. So um, they could have something kind of like a space piratey style feel to the team, mm. which would borrow directly from uh, oh god, what's it called? A pirate Sentai Gokaija. That's the one. That's the Keep one. My tongue, that one. Yeah, obviously. Um, which would be cool because then you could have like different factions of the pirate squad and you could ha- bring in like rivalries between evil members of the team and the, the members of Big Hero 6. You could have you could flesh out more of their backstories because I didn't feel like outside of Hero and Baymax we really got anything that was substantial. Like mm. why is it that Gogo is so focused on speed? Did she have a not the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Did she have, you know, a you, you could do like Have a tried whole... meth, but for well, maybe <laughs> you know, bit of variety, yeah. <laughs> garden variety drugs. Um, you could have a whole thing of like she's kind of like speed racer in the sense that she had um, a family member that was I don't know killed or presumed missing after an accident, yeah. and so she's trying to push herself and her skills forward. Coming face to face with that again, maybe brought up as a villain, uh, Honey Lemon. You could do something with. So the dim- the dimensional thing about the bag, so you could kind of make her like a Scarlet Witch figure. Oh no, I've accidentally created a dimension where we're evil. Right, bringing okay. bringing like a big Hero Six version of the Psycho Rangers. That'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, ba- Baymax would obviously still be the heart of the show, and I don't know. I think I would like to go something more because they did that whole Tadashi's here thing of him developing a personality. Kind of like he's the blank slate throughout the entire movie, and that works in the movie. But in a long form series TV format, eventually it's got to be about building Baymax into a hero. It's taking him from the the medical bot to he's a fighter. Right. So I would probably like to see his armor and also his personality develop in conjunction with each other mm-hmm. to a point where essentially we could say, okay, Baymax is the one leading this team. It's no longer hero because. Yeah, I, I think we kind of wrapped up Hero's redemptive arc. I think he now needs to take kind of like, like a Zordon back seat, which would be interesting because he's the youngest of the group. And you can still do something with Fred's character uh, because his dad's Stanley. So that'll be that'll be a nice way to carry on the legacy. Yeah, you could in- introduce Stanley as a legacy character in there. But yeah, that's my idea. Basically, I do think the Big Hero Six, whilst kind of a very emotive series, could definitely stand to be a bit more action oriented. Yes. Oof. Two seconds. Well done. Um, well, okay. Uh, I'm going to actually change my gaming one. Okay. I was going to do my Harry Potter one, yep. which would be the Marauders. Mm. So Harry's dad, Sirius, uh, Lupin, and Wormtail. But I feel like I've mentioned that before on the podcast quite recently. Mm. So I won't do that just in case I am repeating myself. Okay. So I'll instead go for my alternative. Yep. Uh, which is quite simple. Give it. Uh, this is pitch a show based on a, t- a game based, based on, on a, a TV, TV show. Right here, and I'm of course doing five minutes starts now. The Game of Thrones Soul Calibur game. Ah, oh, yeah. So 
I, I struggle for a lot. Like, Game of Thrones is obviously very story-heavy. Or at least it was. Season 8, am I right? You don't get that joke. <laughs> Not yet. Um, Not yet, I But they did the Telltale games. I ain't playing fucking Telltale games. There was an RPG? Um, yeah. and It sucked? I, I don't know. So I think a better way to do that, more people are going to be interested if you do a sword-fighting game. That'd be pretty dope. So a straight-up tournament fighter, yeah? Yes. And you can just give everybody... Everyone has, like, pretty signature weapons. So, obviously, Jon Snow would be your gin of the situation. And he would have uh, Longclaw. And, basically, you look at how many characters in Game of Thrones are good fighters. You'd have a lot of scope for this. I don't really have, like, a unique selling point. Because I think you're just you're playing Game of Thrones and it'd be pretty cool. You could do it of, like... this. You could do, like, a story mode, I guess. It'd be a bit, like difficult but you could do it as like Tyrion writing this out or Sam uh, writing this out as like a hypothetical of like what if there was a tournament to end all tournaments yeah. um, between people who are alive dead hate each other love what, each other, what if that was how they decided how the Iron Throne was taken exactly so he's done as a hypothetical we'll do it as Tyrion because he's obviously not going to be in it he's not you know he'd be, he'd be gone in <laughs> second three it's like it's just it's unfortunate he has been in sword fights kind of but it's not his full time but I'm talking, you got Jon Snow, you got Ned Stark, you've got, um, oh my god, you've got Rob Stark. You could have classic Rob Baratheon when he was a big hulking motherfucker with a, like a, uh, oh, what was his, oh, he had a big hammer, mm. that was it. Uh, you can have Renly Baratheon, you can have um, Stannis Baratheon, I'm just going to name characters. Okay. You could have Brienne, you could have Jamie. you could have, you could do like a young Tywin, you could do all so many things. And the DLC for this could be out, like, out the world where you could bring back people like Arthur Dane and like dead people from like hundreds of thousands of years ago. Um, it'd just be great and it would be like, the best of Tekken is when everyone has like, your fighting style is... Capoeira, you're the boxing dude, you're the kickboxing dude. You'd have guys who are quite slow, but then you have Arya who's small and fast, and you could have different weapon types being better at different weapon types. So um, Arya's only got like needle, which is a very thin sword. So if that's up against like a big heavy dude, she, or like a normal sword, that's not going to go well. But if she's against someone who's like got a morning star or some shit like that, that's how you do it. It's a very short pitch because <laughs> I don't think it needs much more than do the Game of Thrones sword fight. So if, you, if you're doing a story, is there a final boss? Who would be the final boss? My God. It would probably have to be the Night King mm. with his big frozen sword. That'd be pretty dope. Um, yeah, that's it. It just, you could kind of weave... You can't really do special powers because only really the Night King has that Yeah. because um, he's got icy powers and zombie powers. Um... You, could you do a campaign where it's like remember Tekken three where you would just walk through the seats and like a side scrolly beat 'em up deal? Mm, I don't know. No, about that. Probably not. You could do a horde mode. Yeah. You take so instead of it being like you could do it on a two D plane, but you could do what um, the Pokemon fighting game, which was of course called Pokemon tournament. Pokemon tournament, where sometimes it's on the two D plane, but then sometimes it becomes a three D runaround one. Mm. You could do a horde mode. The army, the you know, the army of the dead are coming, and you've got to fend them off with your bloody sword. And you can pick your dream team, basically do it like Marvel Ultimate Life. But there's even a good game. You write this hypothetical, but the story campaign you have one part just be a tournament fighter structure. You know, the other half is just them fighting off because the army of the dead you can have hundreds of thousands of them, and there's like different things. They have undead polar bears, they have undead giants, so you can have boss characters. Sounds as like well. you're describing a Dynasty Warriors game. I'll be honest. 
Sweet, we'll do that. But it's Game <laughs> of Thrones, and therefore better. Okay. Um, uh, that's my pitch. Cool. With a minute to spare. With a full minute to spare, you don't even need it. Well, this, I, I couldn't have done a full pitch on it because it would have literally just been me listing off every person in Game every of Thrones. Every playable character. And go, this person would have this sword. But I mean, there's like people with swords. You've got the Red Viper who uses a spear. Um, you've got like the fucking mountain who basically uses like a fucking two man claymore to in, but uses it one handed because yeah. he's a big bastard. So would you do so like individual on. stories, or would it just be one big overarching story? And you swap. I think characters? you do one like how Mortal Kombat does it, where you kind of or how the the uh, the DC fighting games do mm. it, where you kind of jump between each person. Um, like you, I could come up with a story, but it'd just be it'd have to be a hypothetical, obviously, because so many of them are dead, mm. so many of them are like you know hate each other and would just meet each other. Like they wouldn't just sword fight; they would just strangle each other. Um, some people love each other, so they wouldn't fight each other. Like, you know, Arya's not going to fight her brothers, but there we go. Mm. I would love to see that game. That's how you use a Game of Thrones license. People, the fans would probably go, oh, but there's not enough story content. I'm like, there was too much in the Telltale games, <laughs> and I didn't play them for shit. So <laughs> there you go. Lovely. Right. Nice. But to finish off Ed Grab Bag, Michael, what game are you pitching for me? Uh, so there was one that was pitch a spin-off game. Ooh. And that's what I've taken a punt at in this one. Lovely. Here come your five minutes. Right, okay. So I've seen a bunch of different ideas floating around for spin-offs of Pokemon. And Pokemon does have a ton of spin-offs as it already is, mm. but I don't feel like outside of Pokemon Snap it really had a killer app. Yep. So this is what I'm suggesting. I don't have a title for this because I've no idea what you would call this because it's it would kind of be an emerging genre because it would be mixing quite a lot of things. Mm -hmm. What you have to imagine is a world on the scale of Breath of the Wild okay, with elements of Pokemon Snap um, and some traditional battles. Yeah. What I'm thinking about, it's a Pokemon game where you are the professor. Okay. Not only is it that, it is you are the original Pokemon professor. You're the guy who made the Pokedex. Is that a young Professor Oaks? I don't know. It would have to be, right? I, I guess it would be. Yeah, okay. Be ready. okay, you're playing as a young Professor Oak then. <gasps> Your job is to go around the as-of-yet-fully-unexplored world of Pokemon for the first time. It's open world, has survival elements, it's kind of half Breath of the Wild, half Journey, because it does have a, actually have a full-on story to tell. Okay. Um, your objective is to compile the Pokedex. Battles are an option. Sure, you could... And you're not capturing Pokemon, because remember, the Pokeballs haven't been invented yet. You're not capturing them. You're befriending Pokemon. You've got that kind of, like... I don't want to call it a Tamagotchi-style thing, but instead of it being you're levelling up your Pokemon through battles, you're giving them TMs, it's like you're interacting with your little team in the wild. Mm -hmm. you, you have a companion Pokemon. You could still choose between the three original styles. I feel like that's... Kanto's always going to be a big pull. And I think yeah. that that would what you'd have to keep it. Although, give them the option of Pikachu, give them the option of Eevee because they're pushing yeah, those yeah. guys real hard. The story's kind of um, a bit pioneer esque. Towns aren't fully formed. Pallet Town is like I know it's like four buildings in the actual yes. game, but it's super, yeah, it's super small. Mm. Every town is super small, and there is miles and miles of open areas between these points. Mm -hmm. What so? The story was, like I say, you're going through, you're trying to chronicle, and this is where your Pokemon Snap elements come in. You're not battling everything. You can battle them. That is one way of getting all the data for the Pokemon. Uh, but you are there primarily to capture their image and record data about their behavior. You are studying them. You are photographing them. And indeed, you are trying to befriend them. 
All of that will lead up to the quest for Mew, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mew will be what you're aiming for. Um, that sort of Breath of the Wild style world will give you that opportunity for it to be a sort of a natural environment to find Mew in, as it is represented in the games, as sort of like living in a forest, I guess, mm-hmm. or a jungle. So you'd have those kind of different locales. You can go into grasslands and find stuff like, I don't know, like Tauros and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. You'll go out into the plains and find pincers. You're going up into mountainous areas and you're finding golems, you're finding fucking gravelers, stuff uh-huh. like that. And it's all about your relationship, not only with your Pokemon, but with the world around you. That's something I don't feel like any of the games have got quite yet. Not even the Ranger series, which was all about not capturing Pokemon and just using them to help you. Yeah. Your team is is kind of like how you traverse it. I don't want to say it's like Death Stranding, but there is oh, that yeah. element of like... Oh, yeah, Michael. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I had to do something to kick myself in the foot, didn't I? Now you're pitching a parody game. It'll never come out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no, it'll never come out. But yeah, I I really want to tell like a game that feels like it's a discovery and and a story that is very much keeps the mystery of Pokemon alive. Not just we instantly know everything about this. You're taking notes, pen and paper, Elena Noir style about its behaviour. You're recording heights, you're recording all this information. Mm. Not only can you do this as a single-player story mode, but you can also do this with friends. This would be a multiplayer-enabled game, which would... You could have Agatha as the second player. Agatha as your second oh, player. Oh, that's beautiful. And, yeah, you. Though I think that maybe you could do something about the formation of, like, Pokemon Leagues. Um, I don't think you would do anything involving an evil team. I think I really want to try and keep this quite a hopeful sort of... A new frontier kind of mm. deal. I don't want it to be immediately too. You can't own Pokemon. Pokemon ownership is slavery. Like for Gen Five was doing yeah. or anything like that. It's you got to go back right back to the roots of what Pokemon friendship is. Oh. That that is generally my idea. I think maybe you could call it like Pokemon Expeditions or something like that. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking anyway. Oh, okay. Fucking love that. Can we workshop it a little bit? Because I've had some ideas. Yeah, go on, Darren. Instead of putting it in Kanto, because I think... Well, obviously it's going to have to be based on the Kanto Pokemon, because you have to have a limited scope. Mm-hmm. You could use an untapped anime location mm. and put it on the Orange Islands. Ooh. Because then you're not dealing with, like, well, there's no settlements there. It's Oak saying, look, I know what the... We've domesticated a lot of Pokemon without really understanding them. We've just put them straight to work, and there's, like, you know, farms for... Tauros, there's just fucking, you know, don't do our farms, and that we've just kind of, or anything we don't like, we just kind of force out. I want to go to the untapped natural habitats of these Pokemon. I'm going to go to the Orange Islands. Because then, it'd be easier to do individual biomes, because you can just do it by By different islands. Yeah, Yeah, so you could go to the first one, which obviously would be like quite rural, like plains and stuff. Um, then you go to the second one, and that's either like very swampy with like, like, like fucking like marshland and muds and swamps and stuff. Then you can go to a cold island, a hot island. I think that's how you do it. Mm. World by uh, world, a bit like a Mario game, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. And then I really like the idea of like you're mainly there. It's basically Pokemon Snap taken to the. To its logical conclusion, yeah. Of you are just cataloguing them. So you have to like take you have to sneak up on them and take like measurements of yep. all the original 150. You have stealth elements, that'd be really cool. Exactly. You could have Agatha if you want two player, you could do it that way. That's a fucking brilliant idea. And then you could Yeah, you I, taking... I quite like the idea of like context sensitive puzzles as well. Mm. It's like 
oh, I really need to see Rhyhorn doing this specific move. We're going to yeah. try and like bait it out with like a poker doll or something yeah. like that. So you've got borrowing elements from like Metal Gear Solid or something like that. You have like a little arsenal of stuff that you can use, but mm-hmm. you're not there to battle. You're not there to fight. No. You're there to explore and discover. You could could even be a thing of like you give them instead of giving them the starter Pokemon which you could do you give them Pokemon that you could then like right if you work hard with this Pokemon it will turn to this so for example you start off with a Growlithe if you get it up to an Arcanine you can then ride on the Arcanine oh that would be cool you start with a um, like a Geodude but if you work with it, it will eventually turn into a graveler, and you can climb up rocky surfaces. Oh, that would be so cool! You start with a Machop. He eventually gets to be a Machoke or a Machamp. All of a sudden, you can break boulders. You can, you know, chop down wood and stuff like that. Oh, that'd be good. You'd, you'd keep the party relatively small. He would only go over there with like, yeah, want to ride, want to climb, want to swim. Yeah, maybe like it, instead of a team of six, a team of three, and you got to keep swapping yeah, them out. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So you've got. And they can be back at home in Pallet Town, and he just, yeah, you've got a rideable one, a climbing one, one that can like break stuff, a swimming one, uh, what else would you need? A flying one, mm. and you're fucking done. It's basically, yeah, it's like. Oh, you could do like with flying ones if you're like trying to get pictures of like Feroes, or like if you yeah. would inevitably get the, the birds in, yeah. the legendary birds, it's like kind of like Panzer Dragoon, where it's like yes. a Star Foxy trying to get that perfect You just picture. make them all... Yeah, the Breath of the Wild is exactly right. You just you would have that in smaller scale for each of the individual islands. Yeah. But you, you've you got to go out there. And if you played like how we play Breath of the Wild, if you're not really looking at guides or anything, you're just going out there with a notebook. Yep. And your only aim is to get... Well, you couldn't really do Mewtwo. No. Mew. I think it's got to be Mew. Mew can be your goal. No Mewtwo. Legendary Bird, Yes. Is there anything... Porygon you probably couldn't do? No. And the fossil Pokemon you probably couldn't do? No. You could find the fossils. Yeah, And find maybe the like send them off and like get like a thing. Like, oh my God, it turned into a thing. That would be perfect. And then, if you want to do a sequel, you could do... Oh, I had two good ideas. You could either then like... Do we obviously you do Johto second mm. and just pick like another set of islands. That, the Sevi islands, were they done at They Sevi... Sevi oh, were was... in fire. Oh, okay, never mind. You pick somewhere that you becomes the Johto standing, basically. Yeah. And you go there with either a young Professor Elm and take him out, or you take Ash's dad as your research oh, partner. Wow. And that's how you kind of tie it back in. You can be an anime and a game tie-in, but he's like the person that you are then teaching how to take on. Mate, I'm okay with that. This may be our best pitch ever, yeah. and somehow <laughs> it came in the grab bag episode. <laughs> that is a fucking brilliant game, and now I have the best and worst feeling we get with these things of like, that's not going to happen, yep. and I now have to accept that's not a game I will ever play. Oh, that'd be so good. All those people wanting Pokemon Snap, that's how you do it. Yeah. You just turn it into a researchathon, And then... Especially since we're getting Switch Pokemon games. Yeah. It's not like them oh, it's like a fucking, like a Pokemon Coliseum spin-off mm. problem. You can play core Pokemon games on that console, but if you want something a bit different, that's like you're not catching them, you're not battling them, you could, you, you could maybe introduce some evilness, but probably not. Giovanni would be too young if you're playing as a young Professor Oak. Um, but yeah, that's fucking genius. Oh... Oh, that's, that's the best one you've ever done, Michael. Did I win? 
I hundred percent you won. Fuck that yes! Was, I was getting, I was looking distracted. Hopefully, you didn't take that as like a bad sign. I wasn't paying attention. I was just getting so excited about ideas of like, oh my god, you can do this and this and this and this and this and this. And this. Just bombing around this like, on the orange ones on a fucking arcanine, like going where the piss it executor. And then you have to like trace them. You can be like, well, obviously executor would want oh, to track them like you're doing Witcher. Oh. Like they would want a tropical location, so you go to the bit that's tropical, and you'd like look for signs of them, like the eggs or the palm trees or whatever, or like scrape marks and stuff like that. Make it all context sensitive because apparently, because you're not battling, you don't have to build battle mechanics. Yeah, I guess if you really wanted to, you could force like a monster hunter style, like follow the big fucker from location well, to location. Well, you can have one where, like, if you say if you're going up against, let's say, you found a Gyarados. Hmm. The Gyarados is not going to be chill with you getting close to it, so no. you'll take it apart. But maybe there's some things you need to do in close proximity to it. And then there's, like, it's giving chase, but there's ways you can, like, placate it and, mm. like, calm it down as opposed to fighting it, and that's how you would get rid of them. And the reverse, you've got to keep up with skittish Pokemon, you know. Yeah, so if you're trying to get after... What would be a skittish... If you're trying to get a Rattata, they're obviously going to be... No, Rattata's quite a common Pokemon. You won't want that to be... Venonats, for example. Yeah. They're, like, second they see you, they go, well, oh, fuck that, and then... <laughs> If they actually said that, yeah. little Venom, I could oh, fuck that, no. <laughs> That's his little cry as you find him in the uh, thingy. Oh, shit. <laughs> off, off they go. That is a fucking 20 carat gold fucking idea. I'm glad we saved that till last. Fucking beautiful, my God. I'm so annoyed at you. You've definitely won. Took away. <laughs> you can go and follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'd add that, Mike oh. Owen. And you can follow Darren, who's having a minor crisis. Well, Soul Calibur Game of Thrones game. What, you pissing bear girls, Darren? <laughs> oh. You can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram. And at The Goodridge, you can go and follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Fowley and T. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. Or you can go to SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, or wherever else you get your RSS feeds and go and find us under File Entertainment or File Entertainment Podcasts, or whatever the service may prefer. So there we go, Darren. Um, I would say, please leave a review or a comment saying who's won, but apparently I have. You've won, but just add on to this idea. If you have any other ideas for uh, pitches that might end up as a full pitch or in a grab bag episode, then please do let us know in the comments on our website, fileentertainment.com. You can send us emails, uh, fileentertainmentuk at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, SoundCloud as well. If you go to our website, you can listen to reviews we've just done for the Jurassic World short battle at Big Rock and also the casting news that came out about that as well. We also did Michael's extended review of Borderlands 3 on top of the PlayStation uh, State of Play video that came out as well. Joker is coming up very, very, very soon. Uh, Basically, the glut is about to start. Big movies are coming out. Big games are coming out. Thank the fucking Lord. Um, All of that you'll be able to keep up. And keep in touch with us over, as we said, on Twitter, Facebook, and everything else. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Pitch Intense. We hope to see you in the next one. Bye, everybody!